formally introduce it then. We're back. We're we're back. You know, I we've been we've been taking a sort of extended hiatus. Uh, the the world is on fire. There's a million things wrong um, in, <laughs> that are becoming more and more apparent. How wrong they are, just everywhere. Uh, you know, the, the it's. We were wondering if the world needed uh, to know our continuing thoughts on the filmography of Nicolas Cage um, and his career. But, um, I mean, he hasn't stopped working, although he, maybe he has now. I don't know if uh, anything is filming right now. But, uh, yeah, I, I know we, we kind of, we, we had our Weston super special episode, um, but we sort of have been taking a break. Um, until you reached out to me and said that uh, you you actually saw a vision of God tell you that it was time 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 for us to get back on the horse. Yeah, Is that um, right? a vision of of uh, our Lord and Savior who looks uh, suspiciously like firebrand comedian Russell Brand. Uh, yeah, <laughs> descended from heaven uh, and told me uh, in a low. He said, "Oi!" <laughs> in a lower class English accent yelled at me uh, to get this podcast back on track. He said, he said that, uh, you know, it's really hard work being God. You got to attend to every single person's wants and needs and prayers. And uh, he said that really yeah. we just ha we have to take the reins back because he's been, uh, he can't be responsible for cosmically keeping us on track anymore. We have to do the work ourselves now, Dave, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all yeah, part it's of his okay. plan and uh, I, I trust it. And, um, I'm going to uh, just recklessly follow it to its end point. I, as, as the cities burn and as uh, coronavirus um, t takes out all of our friends and loved ones one by one, we will continue, <laughs> continue sailing our little uh, dinghy of a podcast from San Diego Harbor all the way to Pakistan. <laughs> Hell Thank yeah, you, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, 2016's Army of One. The, the, there's a lot working against this film, like right off the bat, I think we can say that. Um, but probably the main reason why I'm assuming anybody listening to this hasn't heard of the film in which Nicolas Cage plays uh, a real-life person who went in pursuit of killing uh, Osama bin Laden with a samurai sword um, <laughs> is probably because this movie was released the week after the uh, Donald Trump's election to <laughs> office of president. And, oh, that's uh, funny. When I was looking at the timeline, I didn't, or when the release date, I didn't even put that timeline together in my mind. It was November 17th. Wow. So, that is, a, um, that is the worst time to release a movie in the last couple of years. Well, I, well, except maybe now, I guess, when theaters aren't even open. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, now's probably worse. But in terms of, like, like a political satire, yeah. um, because suddenly the nation descended into its own, uh, unwittingly descended into uh, an unceasing satire that we can't turn off. And um, uh, this, <laughs> the, ev everything inside of this film that um, was, I, I, you know, whatever his and Larry Charles's intentions were, which we can talk about, um, you know, they just could not compare to the, the wackiness of, um, our beautiful, um, commander in chief, Donald Trump and, uh, this ceaseless, uh, parade of stupidity that, um, you know, just shouts and bellows and falls all over itself on the news every single day for the last four years. So, um, did you know about this story? Like the true story. Okay, so I knew going into I knew this? nothing about this. I purposely went in blind because I do that with these like latter day cage movies. I don't know anything about you know. I'll I'll give like Same. a cursory IMDb page glance, but I really really try to avoid like getting too much into what it's about or yeah yeah. I like to like take it on its face before I do any of yeah, the research. Yeah, I mean the, basically the only thing I knew about it was like. Cages, I'd seen stills from the movie, so I knew what Cage looked like in the movie, and I was like, yes, I right. cannot wait for this one. Um, and yeah, then also same. I knew it was directed by Larry Charles, who gave us uh, such mm -hmm. great um, American satires as Borat and uh, pretty much like ev yeah, like all the good Seinfeld episodes from the first couple years, all Curb. the good Curb episodes from the first couple years. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this guy is a pedigree. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, he's a legend. So any, uh, like, that's, you, you know, add him to the roster of legendary yeah, directors that, that Cage like, has worked like with. Like Scott for sure. Walker, um, like uh, Pon- or, or Page or what? <laughs> wait, wait, what was this? What was the guy that did Rage? It was like Poncho something. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I wish I did, but I <laughs> yeah, those guys, the the unforgettable right. ones. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's really is just another n- notch. I mean, I'm seriously is another notch on his belt for legends that he's worked with. Um, unfortunately, it falls in. It, it's sort of like fifty fifty about like how good the movies are that. Cage ends up making with the legendary directors yeah. that he works with. I, but, uh, honestly, like the last couple runs he had were great, though. Uh, it was Oliver Stone. I mean, the movies weren't great, but the directors he worked with, they were like, they were good team ups, you know? Well, it was Paul, Paul Schrader, Schrader, Oliver uh, Stone, twice, Oliver Stone, Larry Charles now. Yeah, you're right. The, the actual final result is hit and miss. But I heard with this one, uh, right. Cage gave an interview, the only one I could find online. Um, where he talked about how Larry Charles had final cut taken away from him. Uh, yeah. And that it was, he thinks it would have been a much too. better movie. I mean, as if we need another reason to hate Weinstein, it was Weinstein, it was Weinstein's oh fault. He yeah. took it away from him and, and re-edited it. So, um, yeah, Larry, <laughs> Larry Charles said, no, I'm not going to make a me too joke. <laughs> yeah, scratch that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like not uncommon for um, that to be a, a, a complaint. But um, it's nice that it's someone as hateable as Harvey Weinstein <laughs> that did it. I mean, Cage was talking about saying that what he and Larry Charles, like sort of the struggle that they took on uh, with this story um, that, that he, that Cage was feeling and trying to make work was, um, he kept talking about trying to make the character likable, Gary Faulkner right, right. likable, and that... Um, it sounds like the studio, in his estimation, like overcorrected and took out some of the like edgier bits. So, I mean, he said there were edgier scenes of Gary being more of a dick that they they took out to try to keep it, I guess, lighter. Um, but and, I think uh, it made him that, too much of a clown. You know, like I, yeah, I, 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 I think someone with like mental health issues like this guy, which uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I'm not gonna play doctor here but um sure you know, there were there was something going on um there are so basically one of the notes i wrote was great portrayal of a guy you wouldn't want to spend any time in a room with um which yes. is in the sense he was a funny he was a clown basically like in the movie he was funny you could mm-hmm. laugh at it but the the reality of actually interacting with somebody like that in real life i think um they really didn't just gloss over they pretty much avoided um all yes of, the implications of who that person would be in like the real world. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Intentionally or not, uh, Larry Charles turned him into like a Borat type figure. Um, But I think one of the, the, the tonally this movie, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how deep we want to get into this part of the criticism before introducing the movie, but like, it's like, it's sort of, it's weird because it's not, it's not Borat, you know, and, and, um, but I completely agree that they, they turned this guy into a clown and they sort of populate the movie with less funny clowns. Like it's all comedians. So it, you don't even really get the sort of fish out of water, um, friction that you get from like Bor or Borat or Curb or any of those things where you um you have this character sort of bumping up against normalcy and and mores and whatever uh you just sort of get this wacky uh just i don't know just just sideshow that um it fe- ultimately feels kind of pointless and is at least to me was not funny no. <laughs> really at almost yeah, any moment and, and unfortunately like, it really all wasn't. the comedy I mean, the, all the comedy should be coming from the sort of ridiculousness of um, the, the premise, which and the fact that it's a real st- story. But it doesn't feel like the real world. Like it, it, the whole thing felt very heightened in a way that sort of defanged it. And uh, there's no and the fact that they made Gary Faulkner not not just a clown, but also like y- you know they they sort of shaved off any rough edges 
besides just the fact that he's incredibly abrasively annoying, like, and the fact that he's unstable, they still, they try to make, it's almost like a Mr. Bean type. Yeah. Like, approach to this thing, which, or, or like Ace Ventura or some shit, which is not, it doesn't work on that level. Like, it can't, it can't be that and also be the real life bizarre story. No. So it's, it fits in this weird, it sits in this weird place in between those two things and doesn't really work on any level. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird. It's, it's more successful, only slightly more, but it's more successful when viewed as a series of vignettes between, uh, between yeah. Cage's character and other well-known comedians or improvisers or whatever like you know guest or under fives they got for those roles i mean like like will sasso you know as like his right. like buddy yeah. his like drinking buddy he barely right yeah paul, paul Shear. like they those two guys barely did anything in the scenes they were in they don't give anything but it was like but yeah rain wilson who was like maybe the most successful cameo but also kind of just was playing like so far below what i know he's capable of it, yeah. it just seemed like I understand that like no one was trying to upstage Cage. Maybe they were being like real conservative because of that. But I I don't know. It was just like why do you hire these really good funny people and then just put them in such a blah role? Yeah. You know? Well, you ha- and Wendy McClendon Covey of uh, Reno Nine One One is his love interest. She's, She's so, so funny. funny, and she was like the heart and soul of the movie. You know, yeah, but again, is given it's a straight role, and so it's weird because it's all these comedians given straight roles, and they're almost like trying to they're they're also kind of trying to have it both ways, like trying to to be the straight men to cage, but necessarily I think rising to his performance because his performance is so off the rails i i don't I don't um, we haven't said this already, right, but this is maybe one of the like most classic like in like insane cage performances in a movie that we've seen in vampires kiss then like yeah it's the most that he's disappeared into a role fall maybe i don't know like i'm trying to think and especially the last comedy he did i don't even know what that would have been i mean the trust was like kind of black humor but i don't remember like the actual yeah like the last actual comedy comedy that cage like went all in like like this I mean the 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 performance that it reminded me of was uh, the infamous turn in uh, Peggy Sue got yeah. married, where he was doing the like pokey voice because he's doing this this sort of similar like high pitched nasal voice throughout this but whole. But then also movie. just other random like he does the weird thing where he doesn't stick to one accent long enough, and you're like, why? It's like it's yeah. like he chose three or four different accents, and because the movie was shot out of continuity, it like it'll jump from one to the other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I like <laughs> As yeah, it's want. just weird. I, I don't know. It's like a weird way of of almost dehumanizing the character like making it more like a clown or like a than, yeah it's a than, clown you know there wasn't it was so much fun to watch but you were not able to emotionally connect with him or his story at all outside of like a weird premise you know what i mean yeah and it's 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 weird because i am fully obviously we're both fully there for cage to to go as crazy as he wants i mean that you're you're you can't be a fan of Nicolas Cage without signing on wholeheartedly to, uh, you know, however insane his uh, reading of any script is. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. And yet, like, this, even though this was one of the most unhinged things that I've seen him do in, yeah, forever, it I, sort of gave me no joy. Like, it's, I mean, I see what it, you mean. in part, like, this ca- character is so, like, just so non-stop and uh sort of one note too like it's sort of just a one note impression mm-hmm. the whole time um but um i i was trying to think about what it was about it and and my sense is, is I, I read in multiple interviews you know he's repeating that thing of like oh we had to make this guy likable and we had to we, he kept saying like you know gary faulkner has these rough edges to him um, Cage talks about he he interviewed Gary Faulkner for like, and he said that Faulkner talked for like three and a half <laughs> hours, just like nonstop. At, of course at him. he did. What else would um, he do? I mean, and I guess to that end, the portrayal is accurate because 
Yeah, but you know, my sense is that I don't think Cage really likes the guy. No, I, I feel like you, you just having him talk about how like what a struggle it was to make the character likable and to sort of shape it into that thing. Like, and, and there is a sense in the way that he portrays him that is, I think he doesn't like him. I I don't think there's a lot of there. I, I there's not sympathy in the a really deep seated way both in his portrayal uh, of Faulkner and in the way that Larry Charles frames right, it right. Um, where he he's a he, he's a clown kind of like Borat which is like you know that the it is sort of like a one note joke except that in Borat the the joke serves to illustrate everyone around him their their prejudices but in this it it, it, like I said, it's not really populated by real people, and all the other actors aren't given almost anything to do, so it's just sort of Cage flailing around, and, and so it doesn't really illustrate anything besides just this sort of reprehensible idea of, you know, the ugly American. Yeah. This sort of, this very, like, boomer uh, thing of uh, this guy just sort of waltzing around the world um, just with no knowledge of almost anything um and uh but somehow also making friends and uh you know fucking shit up and having it turn out okay for him but then he'll also do these weird things where he'll like i don't know i mean i it almost seems as if larry charles just the script was a suggestion and larry charles just set the camera up and then let cage go and then caught the other for like the other actors in the scene, their reactions to whatever. A lot he was of the doing. dialogue was improvised. Yeah, it felt like it, and especially in the scenes where Cage is just going, you can see the other actors like you could see sometimes the gears <laughs> turning in their head. Like, okay, wait yeah. a minute. So what now I, I got to yeah. like they have to adjust their entire approach to, to the react to this because of something he said or did. Mm-hmm. At, you know. Yeah, but it's bad improv. Like it's in the terms Some of, of it like, is, but I, just it's not. It's it's not fun. Well, I guess it just wasn't fun to watch. Right. It, it's you seeing you're seeing somebody really steal the scene, and his scene partners like struggle to really do anything with it because the constraints of their character and the script means that they can't really take it anywhere. All they can do is react to Cage and sort of humor Gary's right. character. Uh, like, oh, you're going to sail a, a dinghy to Pakistan. Okay, well, uh, I wish you wouldn't, but okay. You know, it's just, it's not, there's not that much illustrated in those scenes. And and so you just, you're seeing this one very, like, hammy portrayal that I don't, even, after watching a few interviews with the actual Gary Faulkner, like, I don't think it's actually a very good imitation no, it's, of Well, him. as an imitation, it's um, really bad. But I, I don't really bad. know... Not that Cage cares about that. He's going to do whatever he's going to do, character-wise, regardless. Often, yeah. regardless of even what the script or director says. So that's, like, out the <laughs> yeah. window immediately. Re- regardless of what he did yesterday. <laughs> right. Um, but I do think that there is a sense of something that some actors can get where they almost, in playing a real person, they almost get a sense of the person as opposed to an actual imitation of the person yeah so i think he was more successful on that front now i didn't necessarily like the character he chose so that kind of stymied that right out of the gate but i think that there's something to be said for trying to go after the idea of someone as opposed to just like imitating who they are in real life you know definitely and but i don't i don't know where to lay the faults of this but i i just felt like the the truth that he got to was that sort of truth of of just basically like this guy is a clown. Like that was the take yeah. where watching interviews with Gary Faulkner, I was like, he, he has a lot of dignity in the way that he holds himself, at least in the interviews that I watched that there isn't really any of, and like Cage's performance is very manic. And, uh, Gary Faulkner is, he talks a lot, but it's, 
it's way more matter of fact. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, right, you know, right. Um, which, which is ultimately funnier. It's a much funnier thing um, to have somebody just be like, oh, yeah, no, I got on the ship uh, and I was going to go kill Osama bin Laden with a samurai sword. And, uh, you know, did you plan where you were going to go? No, yeah. I just did it. You know, that's way yeah. funnier. And, uh, you know, the like... And the, this sort of, the, the truth, I, again, like I think the truth that they were getting to was in their own sort of derision of this guy that doesn't really like, because the other thing is like, like you said, like it's a portrait of someone who neither you nor I would want to be in a room with, but the, the story, the real life story hinges on the fact that he was sort of able to do it like he was able to convince the uh you know the, the people to give him a visa to go to pakistan for no fucking reason he's able to convince wendy mcclendon Coe's character to like be in a relationship with him and like these people he, you know he's supposed to be somebody who has this sort of charisma to him but like cage's character i was just like god i would never i would never hang out with that guy <laughs> I know. I mean, uh, again, my note literally says, great portrayal of a guy you wouldn't want to spend any time in a room with. I mean, like... The, yeah, like the, I, like, um, I don't want to spend an hour and a half watching a movie about This him. is the kind of guy that, like, you go to a party and your friend that you're talking to, this guy joins the group because he knows your friend, and then your friend <laughs> yeah. introduces you guys, and then your friend dips out for and a drink, dips and out. then you're left talking to this guy for an hour, and you're like, yes. get me out of here. Uh, yes, it's absolutely that. Um, I, I do like, however, separate from like the characterization or the acting, just pure look and aesthetic wise, this is a great look for Cage, mm. right? I like, fully agree. Like the cross between the dude and Willie Nelson, you know, like with his weird, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his weird beard and like white ponytail. The ponytail. Yeah. It's just, it's so I, I'm perfect. into it. I'm into it. He gained uh, weight for the role, oh, which, um, you know. It was is brave if you're like I I know that he loves to work out so I guess he felt uh, comfortable doing that but um, yeah he 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 gained weight also he apparently like lived in the role for like months before filming like he had the hair he had the beard he and was talking like he was just being Gary which God help anybody who was hanging out with him. He like he. I read an interview with uh, Wendy McClendon, and she she was saying that like she hadn't met him until five minutes before they were going to do their first scene, and he came in fully in character. Like oh, she was God. like, I didn't actually ever get to meet Nick Cage because the whole time he was on set, he was doing he w he was in this character. And K at the end of the shoot, Cage said he was just exhausted, which of course, of he course, would be. I mean it's exhausting but to watch, you know. It is a mania yeah well let's let's talk real quick about the the actual plot which i mean we basically said but it's you know in what what year does it take place it's like mid 2000 during the bush presidency yeah i think right? it's or 05 it during, i think it's 05 or 06 when it starts but it spans a couple years and then yeah. it carries over into the obama years um where this guy is you know living a otherwise pretty uh normal life as a uh, contractor handyman um, but he just has this mania um, that's God telling him to uh, go to Pakistan and find and capture Osama bin Laden. Not kill him um, capture him and bring him back. And so he first attempts to sail out of San Diego Harbor um, and fucks that up a couple times because he literally doesn't know anything about boating, um, doesn't have the, like do, doesn't know how to to do it. He buys like, a just has the confidence yeah. that he can figure it out. He buys a boat off a guy like in cash and then just like gets in it and like tries to sail yeah. to Pakistan he, from San he Diego. He has no life vests. Or no, no signal flares, no nothing, and uh, just, just from San Diego too. I the interview that I watched with the real Gary Faulkner and David Letterman. David Letterman was like, "So what? What route is that from San Diego to Pakistan?" He's like, "Well, you just you sail in a direction until you hit land, and then you go from there." <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what land? So, Where? <laughs> 
I, of China? Like he was going to sail the Pacific Ocean? I don't know. <clears throat> um, so that's fascinating. And uh, he ended up flying over there a few times. Like he would just dip out every few months and go. Then his, his plan was to hang glide into Pakistan from Israel, um, which didn't work. I can't imagine why. Because <laughs> he disassembled the hang glider to on his to fit on the plane, and then couldn't get it back together in a proper way. And uh, then he eventually just got to Pakistan, and it seems like just fumbled around for a month or so, and um, you know, bumbled into some some silly mishaps, I guess, and uh, smoked a lot of hashish, and came back, and that's literally the whole story. Yeah, he was like arrested in Pakistan, right? And then that's how he got on the CIA's radar. Right. Yeah. Right. They were like, there's this guy who's trying to, be, who's like uh, acting like a ninja here. Um, they're like, who is he affiliated with? It's just, no, nobody. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> just a weird American crank. He's just an American with a samurai sword. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that whole bit was great. Like all the scenes in the, in the Pakistani hotel room, you know, where like Cage is like, yeah. like Cage wakes up and is like, swinging a sword around the room or like just doing like random exercises like all, all the all the little business that cage had by himself in the hotel room was like classic like that stuff was great to be honest my my favorite scene in the whole movie was his sort of uh, his fever dream uh where he and osama bin laden are both hooked up to dialysis machines and they they have a samurai sword fight like i thought that that was the tone that the movie that that tone met the tone of Cage's yes. performance, and that like if it would have just been that level of silly, then I at least kind of would have understood what it was trying to do. Yeah, you know, it, you know, it it still would have been like a rough watch, but like um, that that made sense to me. Yeah, um, imagine that casting call for for Osama to play Osama. <laughs> <laughs> And then that's, like, pretty much the movie, right? And then he, like... That's he, like, it. It just meets, ends. Yeah, he meets a woman with an adoptive daughter who has cerebral palsy and, like, falls in love with her. And then, like, you know, the daughter really takes to him and, like, they're friends and he moves in. And then, I don't know. And then basically at the end, she's like, I love you. Somehow she fell in love with this guy. For she's some like, reason. Yeah, she's like, I love you, um, you know, but you can't keep doing... You, you, you can't keep going to Pakistan trying to capture osama bin laden <laughs> and then he's like okay yeah. well i'll stay here with you and then that's like the end of the movie mm -hmm. and then i was like yeah okay i mean it. i guess they like, try to end it on like a happy note or whatever but it feels like the last like 10 minutes of the movie basically from the dr from after the dream sequence on seems like just a hastily written end because they couldn't figure out how to end the movie yeah it's just sort of a sigh and and again, like it, it feels that way because like I th don't know if there's a, really a sense of why we are telling this story, which is not to say that it's a a story that shouldn't be told that doesn't even deserve. Like it it is like a as an illustration of you know Americanism and uh, it, it just a particular American mindset and uh, you know imperialism, colonialism, whatever ism you want to put on it, or just even as a farce, like, you know, I can see it being a, a successful movie or a tragedy. Like, you know, they could have taken a, yeah. a lot of different routes, but it's sort of, the, the only thing I came away with it was just a, a clown. Yeah, he is. And, and I do actually kind of wish that they had gone more in, in, uh, in the other direction. I mean, I don't think it needed to be a heavy-handed, like, super serious movie. But I, I wish that they had... You know, it's like you, you don't get a sense of who this guy is. You don't really get any kind of actual, like, mo like any, ki any kind of motivation you can relate to in terms of, of that. Yeah. And, um, and you don't believe really anyone else in the movie any, because Cage yeah. is just on, on, on a different level than, like, anyone he's acting opposite. Um, you know, so... Uh, I think I think his love interest was good. I think she and he maybe had the best chemistry of like a couple that Cage has had with a love interest in a while. Um, she was really able, I think, to like. That's true. She uh, she met him. At, yeah. 
she met him. Like I, I, I think it was a thankless role to begin with, and it wasn't written pretty yep. necessarily very good. But I, I think she did great with it, and and you really needed someone in that role, and I think she hit it on the mark to really be able to like take his insanity at face value and basically take it seriously. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's I, we've talked about this before, but uh, being the love interest opposite Cage in whatever movie he's in is. Uh, uh, can be a hard needle to thread and uh, especially depending on whatever he's bringing to the table you know and um yeah she she did a good job i mean she's very talented so it makes sense but it, it still felt you know every single scene i was like struggling to believe that she you know she'd be like oh we just love having you around i'm just like why, why? are you that desperate maybe like, she you, is i don't know <laughs> What yeah? What I've, is this I've guy? Never... What what is he bringing to like? What is he bringing to the table? Like I wanted to see more because even like I guess he finished the ramp outside but it of their house. Shitty still. But like that that's what I don't understand. It, is, yeah, I mean it's nice that he did it. Honestly, like I shouldn't be knocking someone building a wheelchair ramp for free for someone. But yeah, it looks, but, but it's badly still, constructed like, and it looks shitty. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, there's a lot of guys who can do that. So why this guy? Weird. Uh, let's talk about. I guess the the other headliner in the movie, which is uh, Russell yeah. Brand. Um, do you have thoughts about Russell Brand as a performer or in this movie? Luckily, it was like underplayed. He appeared in a handful of scenes, but I, I'm I'm glad that it I'm glad that they didn't try to insert God into like every single scene. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. so that is that helped me. I think kind of deal with that. I don't know. I, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was take you it's know, fine. he was fine. And I think he and Cage together were better than if he had yeah. just been doing Russell Brand on his own for you know, like like luckily every scene right. he was in was I, yeah, was, I, I mean, was with Cage. So I mean he definitely he underplays the role in a way that is funny and I guess kinda works with the way that Cage is, is overplaying his. And um, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have strong feelings about Russell Brand in a- any way. I kind of like him despite, like, I don't, I would never seek him out and I find him a little bit unsufferable, but he, um, I, I find him charming kind of despite myself, but I don't, I can't remember really ever seeing him in something where I was like, you know, en- enjoyed it. I don't know why I like yeah, him, I guess. Right, right. Um, I, I thought as, I understand why they had, god as a device and we and we see him popping up again and again but every time he pops up it doesn't really you know it, just, it sort of spurs the story on i guess but it um it doesn't add anything and it's weird because they also have a narrator like this un, an unseen narrator that's not god um which yeah that was confusing also felt clunky to me too you know um just just tonally it's just just bizarre those are my grand thoughts i i think the whole thing is a sort of a big failure um and like even had it not been released in a really bizarre political moment i think it probably wouldn't have been remembered uh, by yeah. anybody either fondly or otherwise but um it's uh i think it says more about the climate like this would have been more successful i think and and really been more zeitgeisty if it had come during the Bush years, um, which I know, yeah, like yeah, doesn't make true. sense, like timeline and history wise, because you know of what we know about the real right, life but Gary. But I think that if you know, I, I think that the climate of the country would have would have taken maybe to this thing a little more in in the mid two thousands than it did right as Trump was elected because at that point. Yeah, like all all of the American, you know, all like the pointed commentary about you know uh, America first in the post nine eleven world kind of was like soured already. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I mean people were hungry for that kind of thing during the Bush years, but during the Obama years, I think everybody just kind of didn't want to think about it. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> you know, um, and 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 especially and, um, like yeah. I don't know, man. It's weird because then you look at other stuff like Borat, you know, and, and he also directed the Bruno movie too. And mm-hmm. this to me read as a, 
extension of those kind of movies because even, you know, like the mockumentary travel diary type thing, because even in the scenes where he's in Pakistan, like it looks like they just followed cage around a pack, like, like a a Pakistani open air market. Yeah. And just filmed him interacting with like the, with the, with the vendors and, and people selling stuff. It's like, and, yeah, and like that stuff of him, like on the on the moped or whatever, yeah. where he's like crashing into shit in the open air market and stuff was like, yeah, real. I mean it's cr- and you you could tell, and and that's just very much like a Borat v- device, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we'll just follow a yeah. weird character around and see how he interacts with people. But I think that you're right. You said you hit upon something earlier where the the difference between the mentality of this and the mentality of something like Borat is that Borat is 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 made to point out the hypocrisy and to make fun of the kind of people like Gary who think that way. Whereas mm-hmm. this movie, there was no greater satire, really, I think, like, saying anything it, about there's it. There's nothing below the surface, yeah. Maybe it was a weird culture shock thing ever, sometimes, but there there wasn't anything satirical, uh, you know, uh, about the situation. It was just Cage being a character right. in, in in the Middle it, East. That was it. <laughs> And, and then, yeah, I guess we're supposed to enjoy... We're, I mean, if we if we enjoyed Gary's company, then it could just be that kind of movie. It could be a hangout movie and him smoking hashish and, uh, you know, get, having primitive dentistry done to him in the, the street and whatever like that. That all could have been fun business, I guess. Um, I don't... If the story were different and the character were played different and, you know, I, I can... I can see it working, and you know, and and were I to be trying to make that movie, obviously I'd I'd love Nick Cage in that role, but uh, yeah, it just did not. It sort of just landed with a thud to me. Um, this sort of, it's not not that fun and not that insightful. Yeah, so it's uh, just sort of a lot of noise. And especially for what it was going for, it. it should have been way more successful on that front. Um, but, uh, you know, again, right. though, like, like... what are you... What is it even satirizing? I, I don't... I don't know, and I think that's the problem. I mean, the only thing I can think about is the kind of, you know, uh, like, Murica kind of conservative, right. like, like lower-class, per, like, person that Gary is. And I guess those people exist in middle America and are annoying, and... But, but, but at the same time, it's like... I feel like you could... F- find a much worse egregious example of that kind of person like than than this guy right i mean he was he was annoying but he wasn't particularly like like, dangerous or insidious you know what i mean and and it sounds like you know in that same letterman interview that i watched like gary faulkner keeps insisting on calling the pakistanis pakis and david uh, david letterman's like uh they don't like to be called that and he's like oh no i went over there they're some of the nicest people ever but like we're we're friends you know we i can call, basically like like he that was his like um like hood pass what to call them and it's like yeah right it's like okay that's that's an edge that they could have left on the character that adds a wrinkle you know that um you know makes and again like he's he's not saying that in the sort of Nick Cage, like, like weird, insane delivery. He's saying that very matter of factly, which is both funnier and more kind of disturbing or like setting itself up for a different kind of satire. So like, I don't know, again, like I, I, I could have watched a movie about that person, the real Gary Faulkner, but this yeah. sort of clown Gary Faulkner is like, you, everything you need to know about him you need you know in the first five minutes of the film and it nothing new gets revealed like he just keeps acting like an asshole and again i think i mean this goes back to uss indianapolis men of courage uh (laughs) but when you take a bizarre real life story and the fictionalized movie version that you make of it is 130% less interesting than the real story, then why did your mm-hmm. movie get? Why did you make your why movie? Why did you do it? Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and there's, I mean, there's even a documentary. I, I I just watched this film last night, so I didn't have enough time to, like, do more uh, extra credit. But there is a documentary called Binny Boy, which is about the real <laughs> Gary Faulkner. Um, I know it's a good yeah, title, right? That. Binny Boy. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, I, honestly, I think I'm gonna watch it because I'm like I'm, I I'm more interested in this story than 
than yeah. that movie gave me. So, yes, yeah, this didn't really give me much to work with. Uh, let's let's talk minutia. Let's talk trivia. There's uh, there's a bunch of little weird things. I I really enjoyed the w- that scene where Nick Cage was smoking weed and do you know the one I'm talking about where he was like puffing on it like yeah yeah <laughs> it's one of the like I my first reaction was like oh my god Nick Cage has never smoked weed before because why w- why is he doing it this way and then I was like that's not true no, <laughs> of that's course definitely he has. not true I know so I don't I don't know what that was, but um I, I'd put that in my reel of Nick Cage moments that um I really en- enjoyed over the course of his career. <laughs> of uh, uh moments where you're like, nobody else would have made that choice. Yeah, no one at all. Um, I like I like the fact this this is not uh part of the real story, but in the movie the uh the boat that uh Gary buys is called the Aries, and uh, he puts he paints a G on it, so it's called the Garys. <laughs> that was pretty good. I love that. That was such a good visual joke. Just his, his thing about uh, wanting to, if if you can scrape the muscles off the bottom of the boat and eat them during your uh, while you're sailing in the boat. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that before. That's not a but real like, thing, right? Can you? I don't think so. I know. Uh, can any sailors chime in here and let us know? Yeah. It. Yes, please. Right in, and if you know. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say I two scenes that I think are among the funniest cage scenes in any movie I've ever seen. Uh, the first one is when he's, um, uh, when he's like, uh, playing Fruit Samurai, like, out in the backyard. Yes. Where, where, he's, where he's having his yeah, girlfriend, like, throw... Th- yeah, Fruit Ninja. Where, he, where he's having his girlfriend, like, throw the, the melons at him, and he's like chopping him in half in midair and he's like ha and he's like he was really doing that too that's so crazy that shit was hilarious i like lost it when i saw that um and then the other one i love is the it it was it's a perfect bit of slapstick when he's in the um like walmart or some like huge one of those huge stores like uh sports section looking to buy the hang glider yeah and and he's he's looking at the hang to to try to buy a hang glider and there's all those uh, kayaks that are like standing up in the display yeah. <laughs> and he and he leans on one and it's just like a domino they all go down and he's just like the way he like tries to like nonchalantly walk away like while all this stuff is falling around him yeah very funny the physical comedy is is really fun like he's really good at physical it actually reminded me of um raising arizona at parts yeah oh yeah definitely how how funny he is at like throwing his body around and, and being physical. Cause usually when you see him doing that kind of stuff, it's in an action movie. So it was funny to see him as this sort of like bumbling Mr. Magoo type character. And I, I liked that moment because he tips over like the whole display and then just like, but then walks confidently to the desk and is just like, Hey, yeah, I'm right. looking to buy a hand Gladden <laughs> to go get Bin Laden. <laughs> and it's not even addressed. Like I, I thought that that was pretty good. And then he tells um, the guys like, "Well, uh, do you think you can attach a boombox to it? Because I wanna, I wanna listen to music yeah. while I hang glide into Pakistan." The guy, yeah, he's like, "What kind of music would?" He's the guy's like that. That would unbalance, unbalance the hang glider. He's like, "Well, what kind of music would you listen to?" The guy's like, uh, "I don't know, Tom Petty." He's like, "Terrible suggestion." <laughs> There's that other bit where Cage is like uh, talking about who they would get to play him in a movie. Like Cage as Gary mm. is like, oh, you know, they they were they yeah. were they're gonna make a movie about me, and they were asking me like, you know, who who I'd want to play me, and then in like a bit of perfect meta, he just goes like, maybe Nick Cage, you know, uh, that guy from that movie Con Air, Nick Cage, yeah, yeah, he'd be good. That was a Cage ad lib, by the way. That that was. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. I, I would expect nothing less. Yeah, and of course they left it in. You know what I mean? Even though it just completely blows up like every fourth wall that's been established. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I liked that. I like that he calls himself in uh, two different occasions in the movie. He goes, that's why they call me the psychic wizard. <laughs> and then uh, later on, he goes, that's why they call me the donkey king. Yeah. Which, yeah, which yeah, I, I like feel like too. also were Nick Cage ad libs, because what the <laughs> fuck do any, either of those mean? <laughs> that that was great. Yeah. I, the donkey king. Uh, yeah, but like mainly, I just want B-roll of all of like Cage's business with himself in the yeah. hotel room. I'm like cur- they must have shot an hour's worth of that shit, right? Yeah, I, I bet that stuff is gold. And I'm curious about what Larry Charles's uh, director's cut of this movie would. 
be like how different it, it would be like cage talks in this interview about like because they're like what did he cut out of you know gary being more of an asshole and he said there's a scene where he like karate he like karate kicks a bunch of like clay pots in a market <laughs> breaks them all <laughs> which is also something like can you imagine just being in like, i don't know i i'm not i'm not sure what country they shot it in but yeah i don't know you're you're in, you're in an open air market you know you're just <laughs> same trying to, thing it's like, every it's saturday like three or generations yeah yeah it's like three generations of father-son business you know you're trying to sell <laughs> clay pot like hustle clay pots every day in like the hundred degree sun and then all of a sudden, you just see Nick Cage like come down the street, and out of nowhere, he just karate chops like your entire inventory, <laughs> or or and, and he just kicks it all. And it's yeah, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I I don't even know what you do with that. I think the only other thing I have to add um, was just an aside from uh, one of the interviews that I I read with him, um, which around this time they were talking. This movie came out the same month as USS Indianapolis Men of Courage and Dog Eat Dog. Like, they all came out at the within, like, a couple weeks wow. of each other, which is wild. That's Show me crazy. another actor. I, did, I who, didn't realize it was all... Yeah, and, and those are all really different roles. I mean, they're, they're all not good movies, really, but, um, but they're all uh, different, and, like... You know, again, show me another actor who's like starring in in three movies coming out in the same, uh, especially at the age of like fifty or whatever. Like, um, yeah, it, it's it, crazy. It's cool. I I think it's we're crazy. Th- this. I I mean, I've seen Mandy, um, but I I think we're on the cusp of the uh, Nick Cage Renaissance that uh, we're currently living through. Um, and I'm yeah, ex- I'm excited to yeah, see. Yeah, we are. Sort of we, the contours of, of that, of, I, I you know, m- we're going to watch Mom and Dad, which I've heard good things about, uh, Color Out of Space, and and some other things that, um, uh, you know, it's sort of Nick Cage's third sort of career bump. Um, we're out of the valley, I think. But in that interview that I was reading, uh, they're talking about, like, what, what else do you want to do? And he was talking about his that he has a good relationship with Disney, and that he wanted to, he wants to play the ringleader in the Dumbo remake, which went went to Danny DeVito. Um, and he also wants to play Geppetto in the Pinocchio remake, which, yes. Yes, yes. get <laughs> that to happen. Like, it's going to be bad. Offer him it's going to be bad. I know it's, I, I know everything about, like, you know, it's just like Will Smith is the genie. It's going to, it's going to be bad, but like, look, give, dude, give all I'm me. saying is, can you imagine? Can you imagine a white-haired cage, much like he looks in Army of One, but with the Captain Corelli Italian accent? Yes, 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 yes. Of course, that's and Geppetto right there. It is. Oh <laughs> yeah, he's got the he's got the big mustache, and uh, uh, yeah. yeah, please, please, um, yeah. But yeah, next we're going to talk about Arsenal, which is the uh, sequel to Deadfall. I can't wait for this one because uh, I've been I've been waiting for this reprise of his Deadfall character since Deadfall when yeah. I realized this movie existed. Yeah, I know <laughs> it's I know it's gonna suck really hard, but who cares? Like, who cares? Who cares? It's time. Like, I mean, in terms of energy, and like this movie shows that Cage still has it like he's he's got it so like oh definitely viva la fucking France man let's go all right is that it I think so I I, yeah I think that's that's all there is to say um I'm happy to be back uh using my brain for uh, this kind of nonsense and uh you know delivering hot takes on a movie that nobody gives a shit about no one gives a shit about, and not just one movie no one gives a shit about, dozens of movies no one gives a shit about. <laughs> a whole calendar full of movies that no one cares about. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, man, we're, we're months into a pandemic, so we've given people enough time to catch up to us. Uh, yeah. So if they haven't yet, that's their own fault. Sure you know? is. Um, yeah, if you're, if, and welcome back, um, as always, I guess rate and review us on iTunes, you know, tell your friends to listen, uh, send us nice messages on Instagram or in the email. Watch this space. I don't know. <laughs> Exciting things coming. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, Dave, one more thing before we leave. What do you think would be the best music to hang glide to? Like, it, it, and I'm hang gliding from Israel into Pakistan to capture Osama bin Laden? Yeah, you, you personally, okay. Dave, are hang gliding from Israel into Pakistan. What music do you put on while you do that? I mean, I agree that Tom Petty is a terrible choice. Um, I, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that working on any level. Um, I, I mean, you, my first knee-jerk reaction is just like a jingoistic kind of like, you, you know, what's that um, courtesy of the red, white, and blue, the angry American? You know, we'll put a boot in your ass. Okay, or, yeah. Uh, you know, that, but that okay. seems almost like too on the nose. Like, for me... Uh, you know, wh- why not uh, Highway to the Danger Zone? That's perfect. Yeah. Or like Dare, that song from the Transformers movie, the cartoon. I think that would be really good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What what would you put on? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking it would probably be, you know, the way I like to psych myself up, I like to really get in the zone and kind of like trance out. Uh, mm. So I think I would probably put on some like really... Uh, Sandstorm. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely sandstorm um, on loop. Not just sandstorm. Uh, I would also line up um, every remix of Stan- sandstorm ever made as well, yeah. and then play that S- in sandstorm. A row. But it segues um, into the crazy frog song. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. They listen to weird music in Israel, so you know y- this is all on the table. I think. Um, uh, uh, I'm not even going to give you my real answer because that's better than what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. So let's say, uh, let's say the, the complete discography of uh, the band that did Sandstorm. Yeah. D- is it Derude <laughs> or something? Yeah. It's just Sandstorm sure. and all, okay. all the remixes. Um, just yeah, every loop. remix of Sandstorm ever. Um, if someone else already made this playlist, our email is heatseekingpanther <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, please go ahead and shoot it over to yeah. us. And uh, yeah, on that note, we'll, we'll see you next time for uh, Arsenal. Stay tuned.